When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's what's cooking on the day's Sports Stove Podcast. We're going to talk Major League Baseball opening day, the Masters, a little NFL news as we lead up to the draft, and let's talk about some NCAA basketball as well. That's what's cooking on the day's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to an all-new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast, presented by Shocked Energy, uh, low-carb, no-sugar energy drink. Go to shockedenergy.com, use the code STOVE, get 10% off your purchase. Joining me as he normally does, my dad, Dale Stover. Dad, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. Good to, good to be here. I had this message um, sent to me on Thursday afternoon about getting something in for our Friday show to belly up. And my I responded like, tomorrow's Thursday, pal. And then I realized, nope, it was Friday. Uh, so we made it to the end of a week, and I didn't even know we were here. Uh, so welcome Welcome to a Friday show at the Sports Stove, and uh, plenty of things going on in the sports world these days. Let's start off with baseball, Dad. Uh, Major League Baseball opening day uh, kicked off. I can't, I can't say that for baseball. Uh, first pitch, whatever you want to call it, started on Thursday, uh, and baseball is underway. Dad, you told me this would never happen. Uh, it did. It finally came to opening day in Major League Baseball. And I started thinking about, is there a better regular season event uh, in any professional sport other than opening day? I think it's up there. Thought of a couple things that maybe would rival it. But uh, what are your thoughts? Is is opening day of baseball the best regular season event of professional sports? Um, I, yes, I, I think it definitely has the most most history to it. And um, in the past, has always had probably the most pageantry. Everyone kind of knows, oh, yeah, boy, it's opening day of baseball season. Um, it's changed a little bit. I was thinking back in the day that almost everybody played on opening day, and now it's staggered a little more. So I think that may take a little bit of the luster because the same day is not opening day for everybody. But, yeah, I think there's more of a big deal over that. Like you said, the NFL has done what they can do to make sure that first Thursday night game, you know, is a is a big deal now on football season starting again. But there's more history to opening day of baseball season. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that you understand why they stagger the games. They want to get top talent on TV. You can't play all the games at one time on TV. So you got to spread them out a little bit, get some of the, the main people going uh, this year. The uh, uh, first game of the year is Milwaukee-Chicago. Corbin Burns, the 
last year's Cy Young Award winner uh, there pitching in that game. And so end up losing, but whatever. Uh, so there's that. Uh, I know Cincinnati is you know, well-known for their opening day festivities, uh, parades, and basically, from what I understand, everything else shuts down. Uh, so people can enjoy opening day at Cincinnati and the ballpark there. Uh, I just, there's something about it. There's, there's this, uh, I think some of it has to do with spring. It's kind of the first event of spring. And so it kind of makes people feel happy about being outside. Uh, but the sounds and the smells of baseball, I think are unique to sports. I, I mean, you don't have that. You have sounds, I guess, hockey. I think of there's certain sounds that I think of, but baseball is the crack of the bat. Uh, the umpire, the, uh, concession guy going up and down the stands. We had one of the best concession people ever right in Nashville. I remember at the Sounds game and at the Predators games, a really solid concession people. We did. We did. Yeah, he he was a show all, all by himself. So <laughs> You got to have it sometimes for sure. Uh, is there anything else you could think of? Like I was thinking, is the Masters a regular season event? I don't know if that would work or not with golf, but that would be a big one. Um the hockey has done these outdoor games, and that has become a pretty big deal um, in, in certain certain aspects as well. So I think those are up there at least to consider. But in my opinion, it's opening day. Uh, it takes the cake when it comes to regular season events in professional sports. And uh, today I enjoyed it. I was uh, Thursday. I was working. Um, Two o'clock came on. I turned on the Brewers broadcast. I listened to the pregame there with Bob Euchre and uh, then listen to as much of the game as I could catch in between uh, work, work uh, responsibilities and things like that as well. So uh, I'm all about it. I'm excited. I, I, I'll tell you, it, it came fast, didn't it? Like once, once we got baseball officially in, it came really, really fast. No, it, it did. And I said, I didn't think it would happen as quick. I'm glad that it did because I think we'll have more of a regular baseball season. And I think that's um, good from there. Um, one thing, I, I don't know if we planned on talking about this, but what, what's your thoughts just quickly on that idea about the new technology with the catchers and the pitchers and that? You know, I just saw it. I didn't, I don't know how I missed it before now, but I just saw it um, about 15 minutes ago, actually. Okay. And I don't know. I mean, it makes sense. Technology has evolved and uh, every professional sports using technology to help coaches communicate with players and things like that. And so to have a catcher pressing buttons, uh, relaying information to the pitcher, I guess, I guess works. But if you can't use technology to steal signs, should you be allowed to use technology to call signs? Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm pretty progressive when it comes to baseball rules. Uh, don't get stuck in, you know, in the get off my lawn era too much in baseball. But I don't know that I like this, um, this option in Major League Baseball to see it. What about you? It'll be interesting to see, you know, how it develops because, um, you know, do they have all the bugs worked out of it um, from there? What can happen? I heard a lot of discussion, a lot of talk nationally about um, will this head into analytics and, the, and a computer actually deciding to call the pitches and what pitches needed, you know, and take more of the human element out of it. Um, as far as, you know, just being able to communicate better, um, probably nothing wrong with that. Um, 
even though, like I said, I mean, I'd be a lot more traditional with just doing things like we normally do them. But if we, the more you get into technology, the closer we're getting to, you know, uh, an umpire not calling balls and strikes and things like that. So, but we'll see, we'll see how this, this experiment works out. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, to me, it's your anti-technology in some ways and pro-technology in other ways. You got to go in or go out. It's got to be one or the other. Um, you know, whatever, I guess at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, but I'm not a fan so far of the catcher pressing buttons on his wrist and, uh, the pitcher listening to a recorded voice, tell him what pitch he's supposed to pitch. Uh, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, fantasy baseball, dad, I've had two drafts. We got one more coming up on Saturday as well. Um, we were in a draft together on Sunday, fantasy baseball lives, uh, belly up fantasy baseball lives, uh, fantasy league. And, uh, that was a good time. We, we, uh, we spent about two hours, um, and had a good time with it. Are you pleased with your fantasy team to this point? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm pleased, pleased with the hitter part of it. Um, I suffered a little bit on the pitchers, but pitchers are one of those things that as the season goes on, you know, people surprise and, and do well. And I'm going to have to bank on, on making some good pickups there. But uh, overall, yeah, it was a fun draft. It went well. It was fun too. You know, we talk about technology. You know, we got derailed there for a little while because of technology. Uh, too many people, I guess, trying to draft at one time. But um, anyhow, no, it, it, it was a lot of fun. And uh, like I said, it's revitalized me as far as baseball is concerned. Um, you know, fantasy baseball is why I keep up with what's going on, or otherwise I probably wouldn't as much. Yeah. Yeah. ESPN crashed. The server crashed in the middle of our draft. We were doing a live draft. We had it streaming so other people could watch and everything. And, uh, that was, that was painful. It was like solid 20 minutes of just dead time, uh, there waiting for the draft to come back up. Uh, but it was a good time. And, uh, had I not lost track of the days of the week, I, I would have had Kevin on to come talk to us about some baseball or Graham on to come talk to us about some baseball. And I just, completely lost track of days uh, to add a guest into today's episode. So uh, maybe sometime soon we'll add in a baseball guest, but we've got uh, NFL draft stuff right around the corner. So I don't sure when we'll have time for it. We'll make something happen uh, there as well. And dad, since we've started the baseball season, um, we went through our baseball preview and we kind of hit on this in that, in that preview, those preview episodes. But uh, is there a baseball team, major league baseball team that you are, confident enough to say this team is going to surprise people. doesn't mean they're going to win the world series, uh, but it's a team that most people look say, yeah, they're not any good. And uh, they're going to show up and do something this year unexpectedly. Do you have a team like that? Um, well, again, I'm a Giants fan. I do think the Giants will be a surprise, but I, I, some reason I think the Minnesota twins will. The twins and they made a trade this week. Uh, yeah. trading of relief pitchers. Um, you know, I'm already high on the twins. I, I thought uh, they have potential to even challenge the uh, division. So, so that one's interesting. Um, I'm kind of leaning towards. I got two teams. Baltimore's one team. Uh, they got a lot of young talent. They got a couple veterans on there as well. I'm concerned about their pitching, but Baltimore's one team that I think could surprise people. The other one's Kansas City. Um, there's not a whole lot of expectation around Kansas City this year, 
And uh, I kind of look at them as well as a potential team to, to surprise people, maybe push for a, a, a playoff spot uh, there as well. So uh, those are the teams that I'm looking at there. But baseball is upon us, and I'm excited about that. Uh, it energizes me, and that reminds me, today's episode presented by Shocked Energy. Uh, Low-calorie, zero-sugar energy drink, watermelon and green apple flavors. And you can get it at shockedenergy.com. Use the code STOVE, S-T-O-V-E, at checkout. You're going to get 10% off your purchase. All right, Dan, let's talk briefly about the Masters. It uh, teed off on Thursday as well. And Tiger Woods had himself a day. 71 shot of 71 uh, is technically in contention, even though it's just the first day. Uh, and a lot of that can change in day two. But uh, Tiger... It just makes, in my opinion, any golf event better when Tiger is there, uh, especially now uh, in his career. But um, you were not always the biggest Tiger fan. I think you respected his ability, but you weren't a fan of the coverage that he received. Um, But Tiger's in the Masters, and he played well day one. What do you think about that? Yes, he did. And I think, you know, of course, golf's excited about it. Television's excited about it. And um, like I said, I don't remember if I said on the last, last podcast or just when we were talking, but I think all the incidents that's happened in the last year of Tiger Woods, he may be a little bit of a different person and has changed a little bit. Um, we'll see how it goes. Heard a lot of talk. Uh, obviously this week on the radio and stuff about um, this and the Masters. And the question is going to be how well he can hold up with walking because it's a very elevated course, a lot of hills there. And, um, you know, I, I, people that have played with him said there was no question that golf-wise he could still make the shots. The problem is going to be, you know, uh, stamina probably. And nobody really knows what his thinking is. I mean, he's obviously competitive. Would he like to win it? Or is it, or would he be really happy if he could play four rounds and, um, and then progress on from here. I would think that would make sense. He would be pleased with that. Um, but again, you know, he definitely stayed in the hunter on day one. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's getting paid. The sponsors want him to play. He's playing. So he's going to get money no matter what. Common sense would say he would be happy with four rounds of relatively healthy golf. But I, I got to think when you're that competitive, when you're that, when you've been that good in the past, that uh, just finishing four rounds is not really what you're looking for. Um, and Dad, I was thinking about this with Tiger. You know, Tiger was great. There was dominance uh, in his heyday, and for several, several years, he was absolutely dominant. Since Tiger, we've had really good golfers come through, and it looks like, boy, they're going to be the next great thing. And then they just kind of disappear. Roy McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, those kinds of guys, even the the Dustin Johnsons and Zach Johnsons and those guys, they've had moments where you're like, this is the next guy. But then you don't hear from them for three, four, five tournaments and maybe even a couple of years. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're around, but they're not winning the way Tiger won. They're not winning the way Jack won. They're not truly great. They're very good. They're a lot better than me, but uh, they're not great. So how long do you think until we have another dominant golfer come come along the scene? 
Well, I mean, I, I don't think I've heard of anyone, you know, that's playing right now that's younger that's headed that way. Um, I, you know, I, I was trying to think that through real quick. When you look in all the sports, I mean, you have players that are Hall of Famers, you have players that are good, but in every sport, there's there's not many that stand out above all the rest that can't be argued there. And, and, and there's some truth to that in all the sports. I mean, you know, when is there going to be the next Wayne Gretzky? We don't know that there's ever going to be one. Um, Mario Lemieux was good, but he was not Wayne Gretzky. Didn't accomplish the things he did. Um, you know, basketball been a little different, but Michael Jordan, is there going to be another Michael Jordan? I guess some people say LeBron James, but again, they would be above everyone else. Um, baseball is a little different to look at because it's been going on for so long, but there are, are people that stand out in that. And I think that's what you have in golf. You have, you have Tiger Woods, you have Jack Nicklaus, um, Arnold Palmer brought a lot of fame to the, to the sport, but I don't know that, you know, I think those two guys, Nicholas and Tiger Woods stand out. Will there be another one come along? Probably will. Um, in every sport, it seems like there are others, um, you know, that'll make a move, but you know, sometimes guys can establish themselves as just, um, you know, at the top. And, um, that's what those two have done. I kind of feel like you have the greatest of your era. So in basketball, you've got the Michael Jordan was the greatest in one era. LeBron James is the greatest in, in another era. And now we're past LeBron James's greatness and looking at guys like Steph or KD, stuff like that. Um, hockey, you got Gretzky. Um, you've had Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby is the most well-known uh, person of the more, more recent era as well. And you got some young guys that are there that could possibly take the mantle. You might have a couple of years you know, in between the eras, but I, I, baseball might be the one standout that's different than that, where you don't have the guy that just – makes sense right because uh, football you've got joe montana and then you got tom brady um you know and there was a little gap between them and there were some really great players along in that gap as well or teams maybe more so in that gap dallas kind of had those years with jimmy johnson but um you know nascar speaking of jimmy johnson nascar they've had that era uh, of great racers that were just phenomenal uh, and Jimmy Johnson is one of those uh, there as a racer. But I look at golf and I think, boy, it seems like it's been a while. And and there's a thought, we thought we had guys that could do it, right? I mean, there was a, there was a time, Jordan Spieth, man, everybody thought he was it. Uh, he was dominating. He was young. It, it just made sense. But then he's, he's falling apart. Um, Dustin Johnson may be the most successful out of the group, but there's a large group of really good golfers there's just not one that just stands out that is dominant. Because you even look at that in the Tiger era, uh, Phil Mickelson was right there with Tiger, right? I mean, he was there the entire way. Uh, he just couldn't beat Tiger in most cases. So he'd be that really good guy uh, and a guy that has a name and has carried through. But um, he is the Scottie Pippen to the Michael Jordan. Um, he's the Akeem Olajuwon to the Michael Jordan. I don't know, however you want to put it. Great player. Um, great career, just not that next level. And that's kind of where we are right now. I think we have more Phil Mickelson's in the game right now uh, and uh, than what we have even close to being a next Tiger Woods in the game right now. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, um, you know, my kids, as they get older, will they have a golfer that they 
talk about. I, you know, I didn't watch a ton of golf growing up, uh, but man, if Tiger and Phil were on, I was watching. I was happy to watch. I, I it was exciting to watch. Um, so we'll see if my kids ever have that opportunity and, and what sports, I guess that'll pop up as well. Um, dad, I'm going to talk about this on Monday's episode with Parker Ainsworth, but you probably don't even know this, but the Lakers were eliminated from the playoffs. They are not going to make the playoffs and that's in the expanded 10 teams, uh, play in tournament, eight through 10 seeds going to do a play in tournament and LeBron James doesn't even make the 10 seed this year. Uh, the Lakers are out. Can LeBron James be the greatest of all time if he misses the playoffs in a 10-man playoff setting? Um, I, you know, I don't think so. I, I've never thought he was the greatest of all time. I mean, I think Jordan is above him, and I think there's some other players that probably rival him too, your Magic and Bird and different ones, and there'll be some others that come up and go along. I think, you know, we talked, the NBA is, you know, like we talked about this, um, it's not as much of a team sport, unfortunately, um, as and I think that's what's happened with the Lakers. I mean, LeBron is still, I guess, doing well in some ways, but you know, he, he wasn't able to translate that into the team. And um, so I, you know, you've got to have, I think, you know, even when you talk about great basketball players, one thing you usually talk about is they make the guys better around them. Um, and um, I, you know, that that surely hasn't happened this year. He may have done it some in his career. Um, maybe he stayed around too long. I don't know. But yeah, it was very surprising. I did know the Lakers were out of the playoffs, and that was very, um, very, very surprising. It wasn't heartbreaking to me because I've never necessarily been a Laker fan uh, from there. And again, I think basketball having new teams in it, new people in it, is exciting. Uh, there's a lot of new guys. Again, I don't follow the NBA a lot, so I'm always asking you, who's this guy? Um, you know, I hear he's really good. Where did we, where's he for? Oh, yeah, okay, now I remember there was a good guy from that school. Um, and um, I think that'll help the NBA as far as people. Again, in the NBA is probably even different than the NFL, and it, it's really all about money, and it's gone past, um, you know, everything there. And if you want to have fans that, you know, Get, get excited about it. again. You want to have a favorite team and that's hard to do with the free agency that's in um, the NBA. Oh man. Today's generation dad doesn't have favorite teams. They all have favorite players. And it's just that it's, we saw it with Tom Brady, when Tom Brady retired um, a guy, I mean, he's going to be 10, 12, 13 years younger than me. And he said, you know, you may not understand it. You may not get it, but I'm a Tom Brady fan. He impacted my life. Uh, cheering for him. And, and uh, you know, when he left and went to Tampa, the fandom went with him. And uh, when he retired, people were crying. And, and now he's back and everybody's excited again. Same <laughs> is true and all across sports with the, the generation behind me. That's what they do. They cheer for players, not for teams. Uh, and I think it's bad for sports. I don't like it at all. But uh, there's, there's character building that goes into uh, sticking with the team through the dark uh, and bad times uh, and then having that pure joy when they do succeed as well. But tune in Monday to the episode, Parker Ainsworth, the uh, uh, belly ups basketball department head is going to join us again. He's been on 
the show several times, and we're going to dive deep into LeBron James and his utter failure of a season. Um, let's go to the NFL. The uh, Actually, let's go to NCAA first, Dad. Uh, NCAA basketball is over. The Kansas Jayhawks come back, beat North Carolina. Bill Self gets his second championship uh, uh, title. Uh, and I started thinking about this, Dad. Kansas, they're no good. They had to cheat, right? I mean, how did Bill Self cheat to accomplish <laughs> this this NCAA title? That's that's ultimately the conclusion I've come to, Dad. Is there's no way Bill Self could have won this without cheating? So how did he cheat? Uh, is the investigative reporting that we're going to do on this episode uh, ways that Bill Self cheated? Uh, I'll let you go first. Well, um, you know, like I said, it's funny because with the two of us, usually I'm the one that's getting accused of, hey, you're, you know, you're, you're letting your prejudice um, affect this or whatever. And, and you know, um, you know, Kansas won the game fair and square. They came back, um, you know, um, against North Carolina. Maybe North Carolina gave it away a little bit. You know, I don't know. But, um, hey, you're, you're, you're just going to have to live with the fact that Kansas is champions for a year. Somebody posted a uh, Joel Embiid video clip on Twitter the other day and uh, fawning over how good Joel Embiid is. Joel Embiid, dad, played at Kansas. Uh, I went and looked. And what did Bill Self do with Joel Embiid? Because I'm in Lexington, Kentucky, and I am very critical of Coach Calipari and the lack of championships here at Kentucky and uh, the amount of talent that he's had come through and the uh, uh, and what he's not been able to do with that talent. Uh, Joel Embiid and Andrew Wiggins were on the same Kansas team. I went back and looked. They lost in the Big 12 tournament in the semifinals to Iowa State. They lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament. They actually defeated Eastern Kentucky in the first round that year and then lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament with uh, future NBA superstars. I don't hear people outside of Lexington point out Bill Self's failures as a head coach with all the talent that he's had uh, and all the great recruiting classes that he's had. Uh, he's done a, a miserable job of actually succeeding there. He's won games. He's made tournaments. He's made some Final Fours, but he has finally won another championship I just think that he's overhyped. I think he's not as good a coach as he gets credit for. And again, I've said this on this program before. I put him and John Calipari in the same bucket, in the same category. Uh, they they bring in a lot of talent. They win win a relatively a lot of games. There's not enough hardware on the shelf to say that they are worth it <laughs> in the long run. As well, I am. It didn't matter for me. This final four, I was cheering for Villanova uh, just because I don't dislike Villanova. I hate Duke, hate North Carolina, hate Kansas. I didn't watch. I I didn't watch the game. I turned the game. I was going to turn the game on uh, during the championship towards the last two minutes. And then I realized the game was on TBS. It wasn't even on CBS. I was like, what is this? Uh, So I didn't watch a second of the NCAA finals this year. Um, I don't know, Dad. I just, I don't get it. Um, But fine. (laughs) You say I got to accept it, I will. Uh, Let's talk about the transfer portal. We talked about this at the end of football season. Dad, there's over 1,220 players, 1,220 players currently 
in the NCAA basketball men's division one transfer portal. Uh, you know, there is a time where it's, it's a positive thing. There's a time where a coach tells a kid, Hey, we expected you to be better than you are. We recruited this kid, whatever. You're not going to have an opportunity to play here. And it makes perfect sense for the player to be able to leave. But it just seems like we're bringing in these 17 and 18 year old kids and they have expectations. They don't get met in year one and maybe even in the first half of year one. And they've already decided, you know what? I'm not doing this. And ultimately, I think it's quitting. And I think it's going to try to find an easier situation as opposed to putting in the work and getting better. And I think that's bleeding into the NBA and maybe a reason why the NBA is lacking uh, superstars. Uh, they've got some stars, and there are some. I'm not saying there are no superstars in the NBA. Um, but I think it's affecting the NBA game because people have not had to go through any adversity. They're allowed to leave, go somewhere else, and get it easier as opposed to actually having to um, be molded into a mature basketball player. Um, so let's get specific to basketball, Dad. Your thoughts on the transfer portal and how it affects the game. Well, I, I you know, we've talked about it again. I think it's going to be um, a couple years to see where things shake out. But it's definitely, you know, uh, like you said, a lot of people in it. A lot of people are doing that. Um, when it originally started, I think we, we felt like, um, when a coach leaves, maybe the player ought to have an opportunity to leave too, but that's not always being the case. Um, and recruiting has changed a little bit. And I think the transfer portal has probably, it's not helping that because I mean, in some of these schools, and I know even in smaller schools and other sports, you know, coaches have just, they've over recruited. They've got, you know, to two or three all state, all American players that they get signed and they're all playing the same position. Well, that's, that's not going to work. Uh, you see that some in college with quarterbacks, um, you know, I remember by, and that's always, it's always, it's always happened. You just didn't have the transfer portal. They had to set out, you know, when Peyton Manning went to Tennessee, they were also recruited the number one quarterback out of the state of Texas. I don't even remember his name now. And, you know, what they always say is, well, you know, it's great to have competition, but that never lasts very long because once the competition ends and somebody wins, you know, the other guy doesn't want to be there three years when he could be playing somewhere else. So, um, you know, we'll see, is it, and, and I guess I would question, is it on the players or is it on the coaches? Coaches are learning how to use the transfer portal. Um, I don't know that coaches are encouraging kids to jump in the portal, but I don't know. We'll know in another year or two, do you start hearing cases of, you know, player knew that, hey, I've got a chance to go play over here. Is he just figuring that out or is he getting information about that um, from there? But yeah, it's definitely it's, it's definitely changing things. Um, and college basketball has had an interesting, you know, interesting transformation going on because a few years ago it was the one and done. That was right. new. Boy, how do we handle that? Now all of a sudden it's the transfer portal. 
Um, and uh, we will see. You may have been the one that said some of these teams that are doing well are people that, you know, not doing one and dones now, guys that are staying a while. And the transfer portal is probably going to add to that too. They'll be around at least another year or two uh, in transferring and be a little older. So, um, so you know, we'll see. You know, is it a good thing, a bad thing? Don't know. Maybe the bigger issue is going to be, you know, the the name image likeness thing, because that's all fitting into the picture too. And that's going to fit into the transfer portal. I'm sure there are guys that transfer knowing there are better opportunities somewhere else. Yeah. And you got older guys. They're not necessarily staying. They're going somewhere else. So you're making teams full of veterans, but they're all transferring in to be that veteran team. It's still hard to hold guys uh, long-term on, on a roster, but it's, you know, I've talked with um, A.W. Hamilton, head basketball coach at EKU, and some of his staff, too, uh, kind of about that. And, you know, the deal is, is hey, if you want to compete, you got to do it. Uh, you got to change with the times. You got to do what's right for your team. And so you're going to – you're still recruiting high school kids. But, honestly, the large majority of your attention is not going to high school kids. It's going to, to the college level and finding guys that are going to be in the transfer portal and going to get those guys – versus going and getting a bunch of high school kids. So it's hurting. I think it's hurting high school. I think it's hurting college. I think it's hurting professional sports the way that we're doing it right now. Um, and the way it's hurting professional sports is there's no character building. Um, they're, they're, everything's the easy way. And uh, and that makes it harder once they get to the professional level. And, uh, you know, not working great. Um with all that's going on and where you have guys go for a year. So Kentucky just had one of their top recruits from last year. He entered the transfer portal. Um, do we need people to go to college? I mean, should there be a limit, an age limit? Should there be a, uh, a one year in college rule or should the NBA go back to uh, being allowed to draft high school players and, and just come straight out of high school? I mean, I, I don't think the drafting high school players coming straight out of high school is a good thing. Um, you know, it's what it's it's what's happened. I mean, I think at least a couple of years of college, because again, you know, you know, where are these guys going to end up when their career um, is done? You know, well, yeah, they make a lot of money, but are they going to have a lot of money? You know, you can look at a lot of guys who have made a lot of money, but it doesn't, you know, continue on from there. So, and I think as far as maturity and all that, I think, you know, at least a year or two of college um, is, is by far the better way to go. But uh, again, you know, the, the dies kind of in the water on some of this. I don't think, I think it depends on where you go. I don't think a year, just a year in college does a whole lot for you, but a year at the right Scott college does yeah. the, as, as critical as I've been of John Calipari at Kentucky. The one thing he does is prepare those guys for what's ahead. He prepares them for making money. He prepares them for, uh, you know, he, he works very hard to get them involved in community events, not just in Lexington, but in their hometowns. Uh, if you look at Kentucky players in the NBA and you look at the community involvement that they're in, every single one of you will tell you John Calipari uh, had a big impact in that. Um, so he does a great job of preparing them for that next level. He doesn't do a good job of winning championships, but he does a great job of preparing players for the NBA. Will Wade does not do that. You don't go to LSU, and, L and Will Wade's not there anymore, but you don't go to LSU in the last few years 
and leave LSU more prepared for the NBA. Uh, Will Wade is a sleazeball. Uh, you don't, you there, you know, I don't know that Bruce Pearl makes guys ready for the NBA. I, you know, maybe he does. I don't know. I, I, I like what I saw out of uh, Hubert, the North Carolina coach. Um, I like what I see out of Nate Oates at Alabama. Um, I think Coach K did a good job with this as well. There are guys out there, um, Tom Izzo, uh, you know, there are guys out there that are great, good coaches and good at preparing the individual for life after college. But I don't think just going to a year of college makes you immediately more mature. As a matter of fact, it might even hurt your maturity to go to some colleges uh, as well. So um, I feel like the NBA should just be allowed to draft whoever they want. And, you know, life is going to be life one way or another. And uh, is it the best thing for the individual? In most cases, probably not. Uh, but you do have the certain guys, the Kobe's, the Kevin Garnett's, uh, the Amari Stoudemire's even, that found success, uh, long careers, all those kinds of things, and uh, and and seemingly did fine. So it's an individual basis. Uh, it's a situational basis even to some degree with that. Speaking of young guys, let's go to the NFL, Dad. Uh, the NFL draft is coming up very close. And as a matter of fact, a week from today's episode will be our first NFL draft preview episode. We'll look at the first 10 teams drafting uh, in this year's draft, we'll go through that, and then uh, we'll have a, we'll uh, the week of the draft we'll have our mock draft episode as well. But uh, the NFL, let's start with uh, LSU's Derek Stingley, cornerback, uh, 2019, seemed to be the best player in the world, and then since then something's happened. <laughs> COVID had some to do with it. Um, he's just not the same player he was in 2019. So. All the talk now is Derek Stingley, uh, you know, he's going to be the second or third cornerback drafted uh, in the NFL draft this year. The question I have for you, do you have an, an opinion or a feeling on if Derek Stingley is going to be a boom or a bust? I think he'll be a boom. Um, okay. I, I think he'll do well, and um, he, I, I wouldn't have much question about drafting him. Interesting. Well, I'll go the other way. I think he could be a bust. I think that the question that I have with him is motivation. What motivates him? Um, is it money? Well, if it's money, he's going to get paid. Then what? Um, you know, is it is it greatness? Well, if it was, I think he would have been great the last two years. Does he have the athletic ability? Yes. Without a doubt, 100%. But, Dad, we know that the mental side of, of, of this is as important as the physical side. And if you don't have the mental capacity to be a grown-up, show up, to put in the work, uh, to, to try even when things aren't well, um, you know, you're just not going to make it in a professional sports league. <laughs> and um, I think, uh, and again, I'm going to go back to basketball, Dad, and I know you don't watch, watch basketball much, but Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons has the athletic ability to be a great basketball player. He doesn't have the mental capacity to be a great basketball player. And so we've seen him falter. And again, he didn't play for Will Wade, but he went to LSU. Didn't get challenged at LSU. Didn't get pushed at LSU. He didn't compete at LSU. They didn't make the tournament. Um, anyways, back to football. Uh, I, that's where my concern is with Derek Stingley. Does he have the mental fortitude to actually push through uh, overcome, get through the hard the hard part of NFL football, 
and be successful. And of course, some of this depends on where he goes, right? Um, yeah. Derek yeah. goes, go ahead. Yeah, it, it really does. Um, if you get a coach, you know, the right coach, if you get the right position coach, if you get a team where you've got veterans, um, you know, I, and most teams I know, I think really try to help guys like that and just say, hey, if you're going to make it. And, you know, the, the NFL is a little different now with the rookie, um, rookie salary structure. It's not mm -hmm. a deal, you know. Uh, in other words, um, you know, it, it's going to be set you know, from there um, of what he's going to make. And I think it's easier maybe in football for other players, other coaches uh, to say, hey, if you want to make it, if you want to be successful, look at this guy. If you want to be like him, then here's what you got to do. You've got to put in the work. And um, you know, if he gets with the right team, with the right people, um, it can it can help. Not every team is like that. Not every coach is like that. I know some teams it seems like it's a little more of, hey, you show up and play good on Sunday and I don't care what you do during the week type of thing. Um, but um, for the most part, I think, you know, if you have a team that's dedicated to win, then you're going to have guys that are going to try to help and encourage um, from there. Yeah, I was thinking coaching, but you make a great point. The, the locker room, uh, being drafted into a team that has a solid locker room, uh, solid veteran presence, guys that will hold you accountable, will make the uh, a big difference in how things turn out there in the end for Derek Stingley Jr. Um, I, I'm excited about Sauce Gardner, uh, seeing and, and watching and studying him a little bit. Uh, man, I'd love it if my team could get him. They won't. He'll get drafted in the top 10 easily. Um, but Stingley, we'll be interested to see how far he drops. Um, kind of, you know, is he going to be the kind of guy that just, drops down the board and somebody gets a real deal out of them. Um, I still would lean more towards bust than boom with Derek Stingley. Then dad, last thing I want to cover is uh, two teams in the NFL with questionable quarterback situations. And uh, we've got the Eagles and the Dolphins. The Eagles have Jalen Hurts. The Dolphins have Tua Tungavailoa. And just coincidentally, they both went to the University of Alabama. Uh, but, uh, here we see these two quarterbacks. There's question marks. Is Jalen hurts good enough to be a legit, um, contending quarterback in the NFL is Tua Tungavailoa going to be good enough Tua Tungavailoa has all the weapons, right? Tyreek Hill gets added. Jalen Waddles there. Gusecki's there still. Uh, they bring in Chase Edmonds. Uh, they bring in, uh, most Mostert as well Tua. Uh, he, this is his last chance in Miami, at least Jalen's the same way His last chance in Philadelphia. Both of these teams have made trades that have stockpiled first round picks and next year's draft when Ohio state has CJ Stroud and, uh, uh, Alabama has, uh, Bryce young, right? Yeah. Bryce young. Uh, so there are quarterbacks, legit franchise, supposedly quarterbacks, and next year's draft. And it looks like Philadelphia and Miami are planning ahead and basically saying, Hey, if you don't do it this year, we got our, we got our stuff set up for next year. Is that wise or is that hurting them this year to succeed by getting rid of the draft picks that they had this year? 
Um, on those two teams, I, I don't think it's hurt as far as getting rid of the draft picks, and it does look like that's what they're doing. Both these guys have a chance to succeed, um, and if they do, then it'll be even better for the team with these draft picks coming up. It does look like, like you said, there's some good quarterbacks will be in the draft next year, so I think teams do have had the luxury of, of like said, you know, hey, we, we can give them another year here um, to see if they develop, because I think there's a chance both of those quarterbacks can develop. Um, I think they could be um, what the team wants them to be. Both of them might might not be. They might flop, and again, there might be injuries that derail um, that too. So you you never know. But um, I I think it's probably a wise thing. Um, uh, I don't think it'll hurt them this year, and I, it definitely looks like what those teams are doing because it looks like it's better quarterbacks in the future. Yeah, I'm a Jalen Hurts fan. Um, I think I made that very clear in our draft pre-draft episodes last year uh, or the year before, whenever it was. Uh, Jalen Hurts, I, I like him. I don't think Jalen Hurts has the talent to be a Super Bowl-winning franchise dominant leading quarterback. Uh, just his style of play doesn't fit what's been successful to this point. Tua, I'm not a fan of, and I think I made that clear <laughs> as well. Um, and I don't think Tua has it. Uh, I just don't think he has it. I think he was fortunate in Alabama with the talent around him. And I think he's closer to Greg McElroy uh, than he is to Peyton Manning. And uh, at the end of the day, I think Tua even with all the talent around him in Miami right now, I don't think he's got it. And uh, I think we'll see a new quarterback in Miami next year. And I think Philadelphia, again, I think Jalen Hurts is great for the locker room. I think players love him and respect him. I just don't think he has the talent level there. Um, great to have on the team, maybe even have packages for him. Uh, but to be the guy, I don't think he can be the guy um, as an NFL quarterback. And so I think next year you're going to see Philadelphia and Miami looking to draft a quarterback. Speaking of quarterbacks, Dad, I asked you this several weeks ago. I'll ask you again, and we'll talk about this more in our draft episodes. How many quarterbacks in the first round uh, get drafted as we continue through the process, pro days and all that kind of stuff going on? Um, I said four. I'm sticking with four quarterbacks in the first round. Uh, what about you? Um, I think at the most three. Um and probably will be three because I think somebody will come up in the last few picks from the second round um, to get somebody there. But uh, I do not think it'll be four. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, like I've said before, you're allowed to be wrong. It's okay. And uh, we'll we'll see soon enough. Uh, like I said, a week from Friday, a week from this episode, next Friday, we will start our draft coverage and we'll look at team needs and everything like that. Then uh, right before the draft, we'll do our mock draft episode as well. On Monday's episode, we've got uh, Parker Ainsworth coming on to talk NBA as we're heading into the NBA playoffs and, uh, and looking forward to having him on. And I believe we have another guest coming on as well, uh, but I won't announce it because that one's not confirmed yet uh, there as well. Then next Wednesday, we've got the next local hour episode. Uh, we'll be talking EKU football uh, in that episode as well as baseball and other things going on around EKU sports uh dad anything else you need to talk about 
Um, no, I don't think so. Like I said, a lot of things going on in sports, a lot of things going on in college sports as far as, you know, not football and basketball, but other things there. Um, to be interested, I'd be interested in just giving a shout out. There's a, um, the NCAA gymnastics is getting to the national championship now. And there's a girl from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, where we're from, who is a senior at the University of Missouri. And um, they have made it and made it to the to the, the NCAA finals, um, and she's doing very very well. Again, she's one of the couple seniors on the team and done well. So a good shout out to Hannah McCrary and the Missouri Tigers and that. And of course, you know we got the Frozen Four going on this weekend, and there's lots of sports. If you want to look just a little bit, of course it's easy to just watch the Masters and things like that. And uh, you know we got playoffs coming right up with the. NHL and the NBA. Yep, definitely. And on top of all that, <laughs> the offseason of the sports, USFL is getting ready to kick off. Uh, the NLFA kicked off this last week on Belly Up TV. Uh, myself and Jason Cooper, Andy Sire, called the Bombers uh, victory. And we'll be calling again. When is that? Monday. Monday night, uh, 8.30. Uh, no, 9 o'clock. <laughs> Monday night, 9 o'clock. Monday night mayhem. Uh, the Bombers versus the Lumberjacks in LFA join myself, Jason Cooper, Andy Sire, uh, and for that game as well. All right, Ed, that's it for now. Uh, plenty of sports, and we'll continue to watch baseball, golf, uh, football, and everything else along the way as well. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Sports Stove Podcast. Until next time, we'll see you around the Sports Stove.